You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that. Shut it off! Shut the goodness off! What a yoga! <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Waste High Rugby podcast. The podcast about Norwegian rugby that no one wanted, but you're going to get it anyway. It's just me and Tom this week. Uh, unfortunately for all you lot, the, uh, the man who knows about rugby and the uh, normal normal host aren't here today, so you just got me and Tom. So um, sorry you have to put up with us, but we'll uh, we'll try and make it worth your while. Today we're going to talk about the two European finals that happened at the weekend. Talk a bit more about two Welsh legends, I guess. Well, one Welsh legend and one Welsh guy who played a lot of games. Uh, retiring from international rugby, as well as the best number eight to have played the game, Sergio Parise, retiring from from all rugby. So uh, we'll talk a bit about that, and then we'll look forward to the games next week, the Premiership final between Sale and Saracens, and the URC final of Stormers against Munster. But first, Tom, how are you doing? How was you recovered from the 17th of May? Yeah, I have. I'm doing pretty well. I'm really impressed with your intro because I was thinking he's going to forget something and he nailed <laughs> everything. So I was I was waiting for the, the hiccup, but you, you smashed that. That's really yeah, good. Don't need that anymore. Yeah, Ed's gone after that intro. like There was yeah. there was nothing wrong with it. There was no hesitancy. There you go. Podcasting completed I, it. High praise, high praise indeed. No, but anyway, let's go. Let's, I guess we could just dive right in. Let's not mess around. Let's dive right into the... The big, the big game of the weekend, Toulon versus Glasgow, <laughs> and uh, let's talk about how Leinster bottled it again. So, we actually, you, me, and Ed watched this, watched this at mine on Saturday. We had, we'd had a couple of beers, and we, when Leinster went seventeen nil up after eleven minutes, we both looked, we all looked at each other and went, "Oh my god, this is, this is over." And then about five minutes after that, when La Rochelle started playing, we went. La Rochelle are going to win this. And then Leinster kept going further ahead and it was, what, 23-6 or something. We just went, Leinster are going to bottle this. And they did. What did you uh, What did you make of the game, Tom? Well, just on, like, guessing who was going to win, I'd been, like, had I'd had, like, a roller coaster of a week because on the last podcast I said Leinster would win to start. Then I changed my mind and said La Rochelle. And then I met, Ed before we came to yours and I was convinced that Leinster are going to batter them absolutely yeah. batter La Rochelle and then they go 17 points up so I'm actually like loving it because I've actually told Ed that Leinster are going to batter them <laughs> and then I remember it's Leinster and I don't like Leinster on like moral grounds <laughs> so when uh, La Rochelle came back into it I was I was quite happy but I thought it was just a monstrously good rugby game oh, it was a brilliant game wasn't it Absolutely brilliant game. So, yeah, Leinster went 17-0 up. They scored the quickest try in Champions Cup final history, 40 seconds. I don't think La Rochelle had touched the ball. Or Doolan touched the ball and then kicked it out. And then La Rochelle did that trick. Uh, Leinster did that trick move off the line out, literally first play of the game, and scored. And then they just they just battered them. And the ball was so fast. Jameson Gibson Park just had such quick ball and you just and Leinster were just swarming all over him 
smashing them back on the game line. Like the defense was outrageous. Gary Ringrose was smacking people, and you just thought all of the uh, criticism from the last week in them bottling the Champions Cup, uh, the URC semi-final, made twelve changes, brought all their main players back, and you thought, okay, yeah, fair enough. Dublin was bouncing. The neutral venue of Dublin was 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 bouncing for the uh, the Leinster boys, and you just thought, oh my god, what's going to happen here? But it's like we said, me, we said on Saturday, we said they've scored all these points like too early. If anything, because they'd scored what seventeen points after ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's too early to score, isn't it? Because because then you're just like bricking it for the rest of the game, thinking we can't bottle this, we can't yeah. bottle it. Please don't yeah. lose now. If I lose this now. It's awful. Whereas if you're Larry Shell, you're thinking maybe we've got 60 minutes to score 20 odd points. We can do that. We know how mm. to score points over 60 minutes. But yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the way Leinster started the game, it was just awesome. I don't think I've ever seen a team as good as Leinster when they're good. I think they're like the best team I've ever seen. Like when they're on form and they're good, they just, yeah, in, in patches, in matches, they're just awesome. Scary how good they I remember when, when England were good, like that semi final against New Zealand, the first five minutes, there was a tap, there was a start where England scored, always scored in the first five minutes or something of these when England were were really good under Eddie Jones and Leinster do the exact set. They just come out and they're just, they just flew out the blocks. And their physicality was in, they're not a massive team. Like they don't look huge, the boys, but they're so physical. Someone like Gary Ringrose, you don't you you think he's more of a a skillful player, control the game, you know, heads up rugby, but he was absolutely smashing people. But yeah, they were Leinster were brilliant at the start, but then they just they just don't have enough hard games, do they? Like they just don't have enough adversity. They've lost three three games all year, two yeah. in the last two weeks. Their players just aren't matched it. They are fit. Like, they've probably got all the right statistics they need to have for, like, their fitness coach, whatever they're called. They're calling yeah. Super Fancy and that sports psychologist fitness bloke. The GPS numbers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. They are probably all absolutely fine and say on the computer screen that this guy is fit. However, they're not match fit because they don't play matches. It's like rugby has somehow managed to work out a way to do fitness without playing rugby matches and it like logically the best way to get fit for rugby would be to play rugby yeah but it's not the same like for Leinster don't the do whole that. day yeah but then you you don't factor in like the nervous energy the you know you can only do so much kind of intensity much intensity in training like yeah you can train a lot but you can't train Will Skelton running at you for 75 minutes like you can't train that. No, you, you can't. You have to play a match week in, week out to, to get yeah. that kind of fitness. And Leinster don't ha- seem to have it because they can play really well, but they were gassed after like thirty minutes. And yeah, you could say, oh, but they'll play in an intensity that could never have lasted for eighty minutes. But the professional athletes have got no sympathy for it. They should be fit enough to play at any intensity for eighty minutes. I mean, La Rochelle were dominant, really, in the second half. Um, yeah. You just totally. felt like Leinster were Leinster were hanging on for as long as they could hang on for. And you just thought, if the game was played for another 20 minutes, La Rochelle would have just carried on battering them, mauling them, 
and just yeah Dante was making ground every time he got the ball he's amazing yeah terrifying he's for the for the world France really missed him in Six Nations actually I think and yeah no La Rochelle just brilliant and they they're not full of superstar names or they weren't superstars three years ago it's not like the old Toulon team or the Saracens team they weren't kind of household superstars three years ago maybe they had one or two but they are absolutely brilliant and it's a it's a great club to see win that thing from a small town in France where everyone's completely rugby mad and they are the you know they are the town and they've made a lot of these players or taken players who weren't really wanted necessarily in other places and they've built this amazing team yes they're massive but they also play really nice rugby and they've got some really really nice backs and I think uh Ronan O'Gara apparently said to him at half time like they were nine nine points down they were eight points down in the final last year and Ronan O'Gara the Munster man basically said lads these are going to bottle it again like you they're bottlers so we're going to win this if you just carry on going like they'll bottle it and and they did and now Leinster's season is failure another failed season and La Rochelle you could say that our European royalty now won it twice in a row yeah they're class now they've done it back to back the teams that won it back to back are Leicester Wasps Toulon and Saracens I think and Leinster they're the only teams that have ever won it back to back you wouldn't say three years ago you'd be like oh, La Rochelle and Wasp or Le- Leicester are the same caliber team in terms of uh, no. European rugby, Barrichello are definitely a are definitely a top European team now. What I don't get is obviously they're massive, and I remember so someone like Will Skelton, he always when he was in Australia he was absolutely massive, but he wasn't fit enough to play full games. And then he went to Saracens, and they made him lose loads of weight so he could play full games. Now he's gone to La Rochelle and he's gone back to being as big as he was when he was in Australia but he can also still but he's still as explosive and he can last for 80 minutes so like what have they done to him to make him to combine those two things together like because the French aren't known for their S and C or the you know or making players really really fit so it's quite I don't really know how they've done that I would say that there's a very famous event held in France, that lasts about is it a couple of weeks or a month, which is very famous. <laughs> yeah, which is very famous for having methods to improve endurance. Right, and maybe yeah, they've yeah. got like a they've shared a doctor with Team Sky or something <laughs> like that, and that that might have improved their performance. Will Skelton suddenly found out he had asthma. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, that that's another one. He's been suffering with asthma. But on Will Skelton, this is how stupid rugby is, right? Will Skelton might not go to the World Cup. That's insane. Like, but but he is probably the biggest superstar in the sport because he's the most unique because of his size and everything. He's the most unique. He wins everything wherever he goes. Like, he won loads at Saracens. He yeah, won. He's won he won two just wins. European Cups with Saracens, and now he's won two with La Rochelle, and he's also played in a final with La Rochelle. He's never lost to Leinster ever. Yeah, the guy's mad. The guy's a freak. And he won't be at the World Cup because they might pick, I don't know, Quade Cooper or someone. Oh, he's, he's, I... 
riddle me they, that. Like they pick Quade Cooper or Corabetti or the other guy playing in Japan over Will Skelton because of that rule is an absolute travesty. Like I don't think Eddie Jones will though. Eddie Jones will will pick Will Skelton. Like he has to pick Will Skelton. Yeah. But then Eddie Jones will probably try and make him thin and really, really fit and really, really thin. Yeah. And discipline and absolutely destroy Will Skelton. So if I was yeah. Will Skelton, I wouldn't play for Australia because I just can't imagine it looks fun. Australia also got this Miyafu guy who plays for Toulouse who is 6'8 and 140 kilos. So imagine having a second row pairing of those two in the World Cup. But you're not. He's, they're not going to pick him because Australian rugby want to pick people playing for the Waratahs or something. It's just Darcy Swain. You want Darcy Swain instead of Will Skelton? Oh, it's the drop down so, is mad. It's so stupid. Like it's so stupid. No, because the other thing with Leinster is I I don't know who to blame the most for their like loss and losses because. I was thinking about it, and I was like, right, fire Leo Cullen, fire Stuart Lancaster. Even though they're going anyway, uh, I would still fire them with, like, three days left on the contract for, like, PR reasons. Just, like, guess, just to yeah. prove that this, this is not acceptable. Right, yeah. the next coach, we will fire you if you don't win. But then I was thinking, the players are to blame, but not in, like, the game for playing poorly. But they're to blame for like allowing a culture where they they're happy to sit on the bench in a semi final. That should be mutiny. Like it's the URC semi final. You should be fuming if you are like, oh, we're not going to play you today, Danchi, and we're going to save you for the Champions Cup. It's like, yeah, not only that, it was against Munster in yeah in the Aviva. So like respect the coach, yes, but I can't imagine explaining to someone like Cristiano Ronaldo that we're gonna we're just gonna drop you for this FA Cup semi-final because we want you for this game Champions League like, next yeah. week they'd be like no I'll play both I'm not gonna I get like there might be something in the culture there though in terms of if you say you compare it and people are going oh you know Ireland diff- you know why can Leinster why Leinster bottling it when Ireland haven't bottled it in the Grand Slam just gone but Ireland bottle it in the World Cups normally but also, Ireland have Munster players in their team. And if you look at the leaders for Ireland, if you look at Tyburn and you look at um, Peter Amani and you look at those guys, they are Munster hard, like farming shit houses. And then you look at the Leinster thing where it's like most of them come from the private school system. Um, they're probably. It's a bit like a football academy where they, they're probably pretty comfortable coming up as juniors. They they get kind of brought into Leinster, into a team that wins. They win all season. They get rested a lot. They don't have to do a huge amount of, of like grind and being in really close games and kind of learning how to get through those games. And then they're incredibly talented and amazing what they do. But you put you put pressure on them in the in that final one percent. And maybe that's one of the reasons why they why they crack right at the end. Like I don't understand why they why their their players accept being rested. It's like they're sort of ambivalent to playing a rugby match. I just don't get it. Like, I'd much rather play. I was playing rugby professionally 
I'd much rather play in France and jib off training and just play matches constantly. Yeah. Mm. Just match, 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 match is what I'd want to do. I wouldn't want to, because like when they go to like an away match, Leinster will still have to do like training sessions. I don't have the motivation to do that much training and get so little matches. And then yeah. even when they do get to like a big semi final, they don't even play in it because they play in the second string team. And I would be like, I don't care if he played in more matches than me, so he probably deserves his space. I'm the better player. And it's a semi final. And I want to win this because I want to have this honor on my on my list of honors so I can like brag for everyone about it and say, look, I won one year I won the champion I won the Grand Slam, the URC, Champions Cup and the World Cup. That's why yeah, I won everything. Yeah. Yeah. They should be going for that. And they have the talent. they had the talent to do that. They're the best team. They had the talent to do that, but somehow they fluffed it. And I don't know who I'd be angry at. I think I'm angry at the players for fluffing it. It's like the IRFU thing of like Ireland control the players, so they obviously have a certain amount of rest that they need to have. But it's inexplicable making twelve changes from semi final one week to final the next week. Like that just seems that that looks like arrogance for for like, for the normal viewer. And also they said like I think they asked Andrew Porter about it at the weekend and he said, Oh, you don't get stars on your jersey for winning the URC. You just think how like you don't care about the competition then? You obviously don't give a shit. Like you players don't care about the competition if you've got players coming out and saying that before the Champions Cup. Yeah. And if you only care about the Champions Cup and you put all your eggs in that basket and you are the best team, well, you know, you've got the most resources or whatever, the best team, you can rest your players all year and you don't win it, it looks like it looks like a massive failure. It's like Leinster seems to have three teams entered into the league. They have their A team which plays home matches when they need to win. They have their B yeah. team, which goes to away matches inside of Europe. And then they have yeah. the under threes that go to South Africa. <laughs> yeah, I get battered. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that is so, that's so like manipulative of the league because not every team is playing Leinster. Every team is playing a different version and a different strength of Leinster. And yeah. that will, that will over time, that will fuck up who the positioning for everyone else in the league. Because if I play Leinster twice against good Leinster and you play Leinster, but you play under freeze level Leinster, that's not fair. Yeah. There's no fairness over the, the course of this season there. The Leinster that Ulster play and the Leinster that the Bulls play yeah. is not the same team. It just it just makes it all a joke for me. Like I just don't like it at all. And I don't understand as well that they don't seem to get it. Like rugby authorities, they should see this as a massive problem that they need to like eradicate immediately. Whereas they just seem to think it's fine and it turns the fans off. I'm angry again now. Let's talk about, go back to the fact that this is one of the best finals you've ever seen. And Tom, it finished 13 on 14. Yeah, it's my type of game, this. That was brilliant, wasn't it? 13 yeah. on 14 at the end. Yeah. I think, I think like, there should be more yellow cards during a game. I think red cards is probably the right amount of red cards that rugby has at the moment. But I think like they can be a bit quicker with the yellow card because I do like the chaos that you get when you get down it's to more like space, isn't it? gets more space. It's completely random, and then like team strategies sort of go out the window, and you have to see the players actually play like and solve the problem themselves. So I, I'm like all for like yellow carding. Get like get more of them off because like that ending thirteen. 14 on 13. Like, it was exciting. because That was brilliant. And the, a fair play to La Rochelle for 
for holding out at the end, you know. And yeah, that defence right at the end. If I was Alatoa, I'd get out of Dublin yeah. right now. Like you you've come on for one of Leinster's most important players and you've got absolutely demolished in, in the scrum, in the mall, everything. And then right at the end when Leinster attacking, you've sh- shoulder charged someone in his head on their five meter line to turn the ball over and, and let them win the game. Like that's not a good showing for a, for a sub prop. Yeah. It's not good. Is it like the way, cause it was Colomb who was absolutely huge. He's, so I think he's like the, uh... so I think it's a good job. Well, I'm not sure how to phrase this correctly. If he'd have done that hit and hadn't knocked Colomb out and Colomb had retaliated, Ala Alato would be in even more trouble. <laughs> He'd be in hospital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think there was like, an, uh, if you're going to do a, a, a bit of a cheap one on someone the size of Colomb, and Colomb is huge. Imagine. He's imagine huge. You're, you're, do it right. Scrumming. Do it right. But you're, like, you're scrumming and you're in, and you, you know, and you think, all right, Antonio's. It's what fifty-five minutes. Antonio's knackered. He's going off. Oh, thank God for that! And then someone who's literally as big and as explosive and as powerful comes on to replace him. You just must go. Oh, this this is horrible. Like because he was brilliant when he came on. This goes to show this whole is generally the biggest team wins. The biggest, most yeah. powerful team will win a rugby game. Yeah. Well. And then I like Ronan O'Gara as well because he's gone, sorry, lads, you're lifting Will Skelton in the line. Yeah. I would have loved, <laughs> I'd have loved to have been at that training session where he's come up with that. God, boys, yeah, uh, you know that Will Skelton lad? Yeah, you're going to lift him in the line out. I'd be like, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. But yeah, you are. Right, let's oh. let's get up. Like, Let's find out like what his like, weight is just so everyone knows. I think he's 140 kilos, isn't he? He must be about that. But that's like, yeah, shoulder pressing 140 kegs is. I've never seen him jump in the line out. Like, never. He was pretty good. It's not his catching. It wouldn't be his catching. That'd be the problem. It'd be just getting him off the ground. Getting him off the floor, yeah. Yeah. How long do you think it took for him to learn how to jump just to get his own weight off the ground by himself? Imagine what this was neat. Yeah. Like, the length of. The length of time they must have been practicing this. Oh, right. Next season, O'Gara's gonna walk in and he's gonna boys, boys, got another one. We're gonna lift Weenie Antonio and Cronom. <laughs> they won't see it coming. They won't see it coming. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't see it coming. He's you just go up and then just like, what is this? That'd be the best thing ever. That would be amazing. Seeing yeah. Colomb and yeah. Weenie Antonio in the air from the line out. Uh, I'd like to see Antonio get lifted in the lineup. Right. It's a make it mandatory, mandatory <laughs> that you have to lift a prop once in a game. <laughs> but no, what a brilliant, brilliant game of rugby. Um, well done, Larochelle. I thoroughly deserve that. Um, what a team. Rob, Ronan O'Gara, turning into one of my favourite people in rugby really, really fast. Um, starting to slowly forget the Lions the second test of the Lions when he lost the series, but he's just a brilliant rugby mind, brilliant rugby guy, and uh, hopefully he stays 
he stays with La Rochelle as an Englishman and doesn't go and take the island job because they'll be even better. But yeah, so that was the that was the the main kind of showpiece final. In the other final, we can just touch on quickly. Toulon and Glasgow played, and Toulon just destroyed them, smacked them. Glasgow weren't really ever in the game at all, um, and. France's what fourth choice number nine, Baptiste Saran, just put on an absolute masterclass and uh, and gave Sergio Parise the the trophy that he wanted on his on his last game of rugby, or his last in his last season of rugby. Obviously, he's got some top fourteen stuff to go. But did you uh, see any of this game? Yeah, I watched quite a lot of it. It's just I just don't like it when finals become one sided. And I think yeah. what's irritated me this year with the Champions Cup is that the final was amazing, but the semi-finals were one-sided and the quarter-finals were one-sided. And then um, when I watched this game yesterday and saw how one-sided it was, I was like, oh, it, the Champions Cup final better not be like that because then I'd be really angry. But it was a great game, the Champions Cup final. But I think like Friday's game, the Challenge Cup final. It was just one team with way more skill and talent than the other team. Yeah. I don't really... Glasgow... It seemed like Glasgow made a lot of... They kind of did a lot... The the first bit right a lot of the time, but they just... Screw, they screwed up. They just couldn't finish. Yeah. Like, they just dropped... They kept dropping it or, like, turning it over. They just... They looked... When, when it came to the red zone, they just shot the bed, like, every single time. And... uh yeah, Toulon, Toulon looked bigger and stronger, more powerful. The Tifa Gym boys on the outside, awesome. Um, those, the, you know, the, the centre pairing of the Six Nations, to Pilotto and Hugh Jones, just got absolutely done in right. by, the two, by the two Toulon boys. And then, uh, yeah, but Toulon, what about the back line that Toulon finished with, especially in the centres of Ohio West, Matteo Bastereau back at 12, and uh, is it? It's not Vunivali. I can't. I can't remember the guy's name. The Fijian guy with the with the pink dreadlocks. I mean, that was a maverick. That was a maverick backline. That. Well, they're all class, so it's fine. Like, I like how it's now like Bastaros out of position, playing in a position where he won like Six Nations Player of the Year. In. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, I think he. Oh, he might have forgotten. I don't think he has. Like, I think he'll be fine. Like, he has played there before, and he was, like, pretty good at it. He was decent, yeah. Well, 12 and 13, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, he was a decent centre back in his day. Now he's just now he's just there for the wine, isn't he, I think? Just yeah. wants to eat some cheese and get some free wine before he goes in there, plays a rugby game. Which yeah. is fair enough. Like, the French, I think the French have got it all right. Like, they seem to attract the best players. Have a league where all the this crazy amount of fans. Like if Saracens win the Champions Cup, you're not going to see fans like cheering them on at the airport. Oh, I didn't in the morning, are you? Yeah. yeah. Like, just be like, oh, cool. Whereas La Rochelle, they're just buzzing. Toulon, they well, were when... for nobody. And now they've come massive in the last like 15 years. Well, when um, Saracens won the Champions Cup, they did the double, didn't they? And Alex Gude did the. Um... There was that picture of him with his full kit on and the fanny pack like two days later. They just went to the pub in um, 
Amersham or somewhere, somewhere sort of North London. And they just went there and there was like no one there. Just like going to a country pub and there was no one there. Yeah. Probably the premiership was on like the football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speak actually speaking of Saracens and, and empty stadiums, premiership final is on this weekend. And I saw I don't know if it was if it was a mistake or not, but so Sale versus Saracens, shall we say two of the not not two of the most widely supported teams in the league, not with the biggest, most loyal fan bases, um, it, when you compare it to some of the other teams in the Premiership. What so, you're trying to say, Jack, if one fan doesn't buy a ticket, the attendance halves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say they got no fans. <laughs> yeah. Got no fans. And everyone knows it. You got no fans. And I saw on Twitter that apparently there were tickets being given away for the Premiership final. It doesn't surprise me. So they can pack out, they can make Twickenham not empty because usually in a in a premiership final, there's a team that's really well supported and then there's Saracens, or it used to be that anyway. So yeah, sale, but apart from the, if wondering if the stadium's going to be full, sale versus Saracens, how do you, how do you see this one going? Oh, I think Saracens, Saracens. Saracens are like the team from England that are like the killers. So I think they'll yeah. do it. They've got, and they've still got a lot of those players that remember just like hard to win rugby matches. And they lost yeah. in the final last year. So I can't see them losing, to be honest. I think they're better as well, player for player. Yeah. I mean, I think it seems like a good, if the battle between George Ford and Owen Fowler is obviously going to be good. But I think it's if Sale, if Sale's packed, beat you up I think you're in trouble but I think if Saracens gain if Saracens pack kind of gains parity with sales pack then I think um I think you can't stop them and I think they haven't won they haven't won anything for a, for a few years and obviously they went down to the championship and the salary cap stuff they got beaten in the last minute by God by the gods gods drop goal for Leicester last year yeah, I can't see past. I can't see past Saracens. I think. I hope it's close. I hope it's a good game. I, I think Saracens just got too much now. So they've been there before. They've, you know, they've had finals. They know what finals are about. A lot of these sale boys haven't ever been to a Premiership final before. So I think, yeah, I can't see past Saracens. I want to see a Farrell high shot to Langy. I want to see like proper shoulders flying. Like there's got to be a red card. You've got too many like weapons on the pitch for there not to be a red card in yeah in a massive stadium. I hope there's a bit more niggle because I know last week the last especially the Leicester Sale game because they all know each other and they're all mates. You'd, they'd start fighting and then they start like laughing and talking to each other and it just I don't like that. I just want yeah. them to be proper. Be mates when it's done. Don't be mates yeah. when it's when it's happening. Punch right. the guy and then. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't like it when they're too pally on the pitch. I totally agree with you. I think it's actually another thing that is sort of turning lots of people off watching it because it's just making it boring. We don't want to see... We want to think that they hate each other. Like, boxers and MMA fighters spend, spend so much time before a fight convincing you that they hate each other when you know they've just... Both of them have just struck a deal for, like, billions of dollars and they're going to yeah. be rich rich so i'm making him rich he's making me rich i don't think they hate each other 
But like rugby, yeah. just this constant like, oh, some rugby player stroked a duck, they're all nice men. It's like, I don't want to see nice men play rugby. <laughs> like all that, it's all rugby values, let's hug each other. Like, no, that's just normal values. It's not like rugby's not unique in that. Just like sellers, like the aggression a bit more. Yeah. Like players be aggressive towards each other. Because it was Anthony Watson and Tuolangi. Yeah. wasn't it and they've played before at Leicester and England and there's a bit of a scuffle going on and Watson grabs Tulangi. Yeah, Tulangi looks like he's about to throw a haymaker. Yeah. He turns around, sees this Anthony Watson and then they both start laughing. Just fucking hit him. And then everyone like types like rugby values, this is our sport, this is why rugby's different. And it's like rugby's different because it's crap it's with certain things. That's why it's different. It's not different because they hug and smile at each other. Every sport does that. They should amp it up. They should make it like, they should ban the referees from getting involved. They have to just let it, like, like NHL, where the referees just yeah. like, watch it. But they just let them go for it. Yeah, let them go for it. And then if they do something, then you card them. But, like, the crowd always gets, no one's ever gone, oh, no, not another scuffle. It's really ruining the game. Never heard anyone say that ever. I love it. Oh, I love a scuffle. I love it. Everyone loves a scuffle. So I don't, I don't understand why they try to, State of Origins coming up in not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. The squads are announced earlier today. And, I mean, that's legendary for people just having a fight on the pitch. They let them do it. So just, yeah, just a bit less a bit less smiley. But I think Saracens, Saracens people don't like Saracens. So I think I don't think there'll be any smiling and laughing. If there's a scuffle, there won't be any, like, hugging and, and laughing and that. That's why I love Saracens and Harlequins, because they hate each other. Like, I love yeah. that game. With Saracens, it's all like smile, happy, smiley until Owen Farrell shoulder charges someone in the face. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I love Owen Farrell. Say who's an underrated bastard is Alex Lazowski. Oh, he's good though, isn't he? He's good. He's good, but because he's like he's he's good looking lad. He's quite trim. He's outside centre, skillful player. He's a bastard. Like he will, yeah. he gets in your face. Actually, that that centre combination, the Tompkins ball, that whole midfield, the Farrell Tompkins. Um, Lazowski midfield they're horrible all of them I like it I really like it but yeah so I think both of us will uh, both of us are going for Saracens on that one and then I think the uh, the URC final Munster versus Stormers in Cape Town uh, I know a bit less about this but the it looks like Munster's got pretty got a fully fit squad so Snyman um, is in he's cleared to play um Connor Murray's playing so I think I think they're picking from a pretty big you know fully fit squad I don't know about the Stormers I think they're I think they're South Africans don't get injured do they Uh some kind of special source that makes them never injured Um, yeah they've also been uh, watching that big event in France yeah (laughs) I think yeah Um, what do you think what do you think of this one I haven't watched too much of the URC but I am gonna say Munster Ooh, I don't think anyone's saying Munster. I know, but I've just got a feeling that they're going to do it because they're going to be hyped. They've just battered Leinster and they're going down. One point battering, mate. <laughs> They've gone and done over Leinster and you're like, you might as well go for it. Like, you're on a roll. All the pressure is on the Stormers. They'll choke in front of their own fans. 
and then Munster can just go in because they quite like being the bad men, don't they? Like Omani, if the more people that hate Omani who are around Omani, the better Omani plays. Yeah, the more he likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If someone likes him, hates it, he can't, he'd be rubbish. He'd be a rubbish yeah. player if everyone was cheering his name and chanting his name. Yeah. But you put him in New Zealand and he's just deliberately cheated and everyone's seen it and they're all booing him. Yeah. You know, for the next 10 minutes, he's going to get free turnovers, yeah. still four yeah. line outs and drop yeah. goal it from the 10 because he just thrives off it. It becomes like that massive guy when you play Mario Kart. The more he's getting hated, the more he sort of inflates and gets bigger and bigger (laughs) and bigger. Yeah, I love Peter Romani. Yeah. Yeah, in a final, you're expected to win in front of your own crowd for the second year in a row because Storm has won it last year as well. Munster would be the one team that you just would not want to play because you know they're going to make the game absolutely horrible. Like, the halfbacks are in for a world of pain that day. Yeah. And you know, shoving the nine's face in the in the dirt, like stamping all over him, doing yeah, doing just horrible, horrible things. See, he's a genuinely great person because he doesn't do any of the fake niceness on the pitch. He hates no. everyone. He hates <laughs> everyone. There's no like, oh, let's laugh and smile and shake your hand like we played together before. No, none of that. It's yeah. you're the enemy now. Yeah, you're not wearing the same really... color as me. Yeah, I really you won three years ago for the Lions, so you know we yeah. shared a special moment. So I'm not gonna abs- I'm not gonna try and stamp on your balls in a rut. I'm like, no, I unapologetically hate you for the next eighteen yeah. minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna do everything I can to make you hate me more than I hate you. And I think it confuses the players that have played with him because they're a bit shocked at just the pure like visceral aggression he can show show someone. He'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm his friend outside off the pitch, but on the pitch. But if he's playing against me, he's getting it. That's what Leinster need. They need a few then. They need a few just like, just hard bastards who will just do whatever it takes to to win. Because like Leinster for me, they're the kind of like lads that they've lost that final and like some of them are crying on the pitch after. And they'll like go and open up about that in a podcast a few weeks later and talk about how it made them feel and stuff. (laughs) And mine will turn that into hatred. (laughs) Turn that feeling. Yeah. Now in, yeah. into him and turn it into just a big black ball of hatred that will be released yeah. the next time he goes he goes out on a rugby pitch. And any photographer or cameraman that's got the images of him crying after the game, don't you dare sell them. Don't you dare <laughs> broadcast them. Don't you tell a single soul because I will rip you to shreds. <laughs> You're getting finished. Yeah. 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 Like he's like told like BT Sport, like you you better not. You better not focus on me right now, because I will, <laughs> I will do yeah. godly things to stop that footage getting out there. I mean, saying that about about Munster and and Amani in particular, you know, and actually a lot of their a lot of their pack are horrible bastards, um, in the best possible way. I can't see past the Stormers. Like I saw the the Connor game, the Stormers look absolutely awesome, and their their pack is enormous. Their front row is the best front row apart from the hook you know they've got the two best props in the world in their in their front row they're they're brilliant so i just can't yeah can't look past them to be honest well i'm just i'm just backing my boy peter and Marnie to just finish to just be yeah just wreck be it. a beast yeah just yeah. a human he's he's everything like he's everything because he's just he's like he's got like a cockroach mentality you're just not gonna <laughs> kill me <laughs> yeah 
Do you know what I mean? Like, it's that dogged. Like, the man's yeah, broke. Yeah. Like, I thought the man was physically broke, like, five years ago. I was like, he's done playing rugby. Look at yeah. that damage he takes. Like, when it hits, he puts in. Like, he can't do this much longer. And then it's just that and he's never injured. Like, it's never like, oh, Peter Romani's not playing today because he's injured. He'll, like, just come on with his, like, arm at a right angle. He's strapped it up. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Honestly, it's the cockroach mentality. <laughs> yeah. And it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Amari, the cockroach. Yeah. Oh, in a nuclear war, he'll survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll, like, he'll be so badly damaged and disfigured from like the radiation. And everyone will be like, end it, Peter. End it. There's no need for this. There's no need. You can end your suffering. He's like, no, I like to suffer. This is oh. the best. I'm having the best time of my life suffering. Yeah. Well, from one absolute warrior who can't be killed to someone who seemingly was an immortal and would never stop, he uh, he has stopped, and it's and it's Alan Jones has announced his retirement from Test match rugby immediately, along with Justin Tipperick. Did you want to say anything about about Alan? Sorry, I said Adam Jones. Alan Win Alan Win Jones can't stop yeah, saying Adam Jones on this bloody podcast. And when Alan Wynne Jones is is reti- has retired with immediate effect from from Welsh rugby, and there's a stat that out of all the tests that have ever been played for Wales, Alan Wynne Jones has played in twenty percent of them. Wow, absolutely mad! He's got 170 caps, I think 112 for the Lions, which means he's played in every single test on four tours, and. Yeah, he's got 158 caps of Wales, the all-time cap record holder, and just an absolute war horse, Alan Wynne Jones. What do you? Uh, how do you think he'll be remembered? Personally, I'm going to try and forget him as fast as possible. <laughs> Not a player I ever turned the TV on to watch, to be honest. <laughs> I want to see what Alan Wynne is doing in this ruck today. It's like you know, push shoving someone on the ground when they're in the ruck. <laughs> it, it was just a general nuisance. Wasn't he for 170 games? <laughs> and a, probably I mean, a great leader, but you know, I don't really care about people's leadership skills. So, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that was a very moving, moving tribute to Alan Wynne Jones there. What about I, the. Uh... I totally respect how bad all the other second rows in this time period must have been in <laughs> Wales for him to have 170 caps and play. 20% of Wales's games ever. So the respect I have on how bad some of those other second rows must have been is pretty, pretty huge. Yeah, he, got, he got 12 Lions caps as well. Yeah, well, that's because he played for Wales. Like, people don't really know what second rows do, do they? Play for a good second row and you've got Alan Wynn just, you know, Alan Wynn, go in the rooks and do what you normally do. Oh, yeah, I'll just do what I normally do then. Just shove people around. Like, he was just an obed in rooks. I've never known a player become... The way people talk about him as a player, it's like he was like a Messi or the Messi from Wales with like great talent levels. He could do unbelievable things with the ball. What he could do that was unbelievable was be a knob in rooks. Like <laughs> his, his skill was like referees would go, Alan, really? Like, are you really going to do that? Yeah, I'm just going to lift the scrum off up by his ankle and drop him on his head and kick him a little bit. And then, oh yeah, all right, fine. Like he was just a knob in, rook, in rooks. Tell you what, he could yeah. belt out he could belt out the national anthem, though. That's probably why he got picked. Him and Ken Owens, they belt out the national anthem. What about um, what about Justin Tipperick, the most skillful forward of all time? See, I actually agree with Justin Tipperick being a really skillful forward. 
what was the ju- the Justin Tipperick cliche? His hands are so good he could play in the centres. Every single game he played, yeah. if he did one pass, they go. He could play in the centres. Unbelievable. It's like Falatau when he does his one offload to someone who's running into touch. His skill set is past belief for this professional rugby player. He's like, they're professional. Why we expect? Why do we expect so little from our professional players? Is beyond me. <laughs> oh, he can tie his boots. I haven't seen a forward do that himself for years. Get him on the pitch. Right. I did like. I did like Tipperick though. I think he was. He was a really good player. I mean, I people say he was kind of unlucky to be in the same era as Sam Warburton, but he still got nearly hundred caps Wales. Yeah, but he was class. Like I think Tipperick is one of my players who I think are like class. He was. Yeah, he could do a lot. I just find it bizarre that more people can't like catch and pass if they're a forward or and stuff like that. That's what I find bizarre because I don't he think was rapid like, as well. He was he was rapid. Yeah, he was quick. He was good. He was he was a good player to watch. I enjoyed watching him. I'm more I'm, I'm more like what? upset about him quitting than I am Alan Wynn. I Alan Wynn, I don't need to see him play rugby again. I've already seen him play like a hundred times, and he's done the same thing in every game. <laughs> every game where Alan Wynn is identical. I feel as well, though, if you've got a Tipperick, if you've got a, a scrum cap that's that bright, you've got to be, you've got to be decent. Yeah. Like having really flash boots, isn't it? You've got to be yeah. your If you're yeah. drawing that much attention to yourself, you've got to be good. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Whereas Alan Wynn reminds me of that kid that no one wanted to play with at school, but always forced himself into the game and ruined it. You know Alan Wynn-Jones is terrible at every single other sport. Oh my mate, yeah, definitely. He's just he's just that kid that you'd like you know when everyone says like they can't believe he made it there? I reckon everyone who went to school with Adam Adam Wynn Jones is like hundred and seventy caps for Wales. You couldn't catch the ball until year ten. <laughs> well, yeah. I I mean I, I don't think that's fair. I think Adam Wynn Jones has been a has been a wonderful servant for the game. I think it's oh. amazing. I think it's oh, amazing. I think it's uh, playing playing 170 games is amazing. The the longevity and the the crap that your body goes through to make that, and it's not like he never played for Ospreys either. Like he did play for Ospreys a lot. It wasn't the, did he? Yeah. Well, back in the you know, well, back in the day when Ospreys were actually competing for stuff, he did. But no, I think it's going to be weird not seeing Wales without him. But I think he has been clinging on a little bit the last couple of years and kind of getting picked on reputation i think it's good that he's given way to the to the younger boys because you couldn't drop him like it's as a coach you wasn't really allowed to drop him but no it'll be a, it'll be a miss in, for welsh rugby yeah uh, i'm good not for you. see you later alan bye <laughs> stop destroying rooks for no reason whatsoever <laughs> right on that note i think uh hopefully we'll be back to a full contingent next week um, where we'll talk about the mainly probably the Premiership final and the URC final, um, and then maybe we'll also, if Ben's on, we'll look we'll look forward to the uh, State of Origin series between Queensland and New South Wales that starts on the thirty first of May. Um, so no, thank you for thank you for listening to us. We managed to get bloody hell fifty minutes. Jesus, you can talk, can't you, mate? Wait. When you listen back to this, you'll find out it's 90% you. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it is. It'll be 90% you. Every time I listen back to these, I'm like, why is Jack still talking? I'm sure <laughs> I said something then. Right, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.